Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. We got a good one this morning. I'm, I'm excited about this. So we're going to talk about Nicodemus because you have to, right? It's one of the great phrases, one of the great conversations we see in Scripture, in the New Testament especially, and this phrase, born again, it carries so many connotations in our world. Um, but it also, for us, if you're a believer, it, has, it makes perfect sense. It describes who you are, something that's happened in your life, something that God has done, a regeneration, a newness, a new life. But in our world, in our culture, what we see around us, this phrase has been stripped down. It's been made something less than. And today we're going to talk a little bit that we can't do that, but I want to share a couple of ways that it has been. There's an old issues of Forbes magazine that carried a feature article entitled Born Again Companies, describing businesses that were experiencing new prosperity. The Los Angeles Times once printed an article on the sports page captioned, the Steeler who was born again about a player who had made a comeback. The Chicago Tribune once told about a starlet who was changing her image so she would be considered more edgy and a little racier, dropping her good girl character. In the article, it mentioned, incidentally, that she was born again, a born again bad girl. (laughs) One of the great biblical terms has been stolen and emptied of meaning dragged through the mire that today born again can mean almost anything or nothing at all. So this morning we're going to take a closer look. And I think this is really important where this phrase comes from, what it's about, what it means to each of us, what it means for those who don't believe. And we're going to look at this in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. And I also want to talk about who this is for, because this is really important. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man named Nicodemus is only mentioned three times in the Bible, and all three references come from the Gospel of John. So consequently, we don't know a lot about Nicodemus, but the first verse gives us some important information, and this is really, really important to understand this conversation. It's really important to understand where Nicodemus is coming from as he asks this question. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee. So if you don't know, the Pharisees were a Jewish sect that made up of of about 6,000 men during the time of Christ. They were legalistic. They emphasized the importance of keeping the law of Moses. They saw themselves as the guardian of Judaism. And consequently, when John the Baptist began his ministry, the Pharisees were quick to check them out. He and Jesus, John the Baptist and Jesus. And we discover in Luke 7.30, that they refused to be baptized by John the Baptist, probably because they didn't consider themselves to be sinful enough or need repentance. Therefore, in their minds, there was no need to repent or be baptized. So they opposed John the Baptist's ministry and would eventually oppose the ministry of Christ. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was very religious, a man who took his faith seriously. And we know this about him. But there's also something else in this conversation that I think is curious. I think it's the question that he asked, and I think that there's a place in this that we begin to wonder, does Nicodemus feel like something's missing in his life? Even though he did the best that he could, he was a good Pharisee, he still wasn't fulfilled or completed. 
He still felt like something was missing. Is there a chance we can fall in the same trap? That our hope is set in our religion, our rules, the way that we live our lives, and not the relationship and the hope of the new life that is in, offered through our faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, not only was he just a Pharisee, he was a part of the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin were made up of 71 of the most well-respected men in Israel. It was a political, religious, judicial body, and it basically served as a supreme court in Jewish society. It was made up of chief priests, elders, and the teachers of the law. So not only was Nicodemus very religious, but he was also very well-respected. He had great esteem. People would have known who he was. He was a powerful man in his community and influence in that community around him. People listened to Nicodemus. So why would this important man, why would he go to Jesus? Well, let's keep looking at this because this is really important. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, I think it's really interesting that it says Nicodemus came at night. It doesn't tell us why he did this. There's maybe a couple of possibilities that I can think of. He didn't want to be seen talking to Jesus in public. Maybe. Why not? The most obvious reason is that he didn't want anyone, especially the other Pharisees and members of the Sanhedrin, to know about it. Here was this rogue, itinerant preacher from, from Nazareth that was going around. Maybe he was a little uncomfortable with that and being seen. This event took place early in Jesus' ministry. And the Pharisees had maybe not quite fully made up their mind about who he was. Perhaps this is why Nicodemus wanted to talk to Jesus, which leads me to the second possible reason. Perhaps he just wanted to spend some quality time with Jesus. During this, the day that would have been next to impossible, even in his home, it didn't matter where Jesus went. He was surrounded by people. Everywhere he went, if it was the Sea of Galilee, if it was through the city, he was followed. He was people pressed in around him. And maybe, maybe Nicodemus just needed to have some time alone to really probe, to ask questions. Maybe he just wanted to be with Jesus. Now, I want you also to notice this, because this is pretty surprising for someone of his stature. He refers to Jesus as rabbi, which is a title that the Jews reserve for their most respected religious leaders. In fact, Matthew 23, 7, 8 says, Jesus said the Pharisees themselves like to be called rabbi. It was a position of importance. But here, out of respect for Jesus, Nicodemus calls him rabbi, but that's not all. Why didn't he say this? Because I know you're a teacher that's come from God. But I also want to point out, he says, we... Who is the we that he's talking about? Nicodemus is probably not referring to his family. He's probably referring to other Pharisees. Maybe he's trying to cast them in a better light for Jesus. Not only does Nicodemus say that Jesus is a teacher that has come from God, but he also acknowledges the miracles that Jesus has performed. He was essentially saying that it is evident that Jesus was a prophet from God because nobody could do the things that Jesus was doing unless God was with him, which honestly is a pretty astute observation on Nicodemus's part. 
However, I guess it's also possible that Nicodemus was trying to get Jesus to confirm or deny the fact that he was from God. Maybe this was the beginning of the question, are you really from God? Because the things you're doing sure seem to be. But instead, Jesus seemed to ignore this line of questioning altogether and got right to the subject matter. He didn't give Nicodemus a lot of space in this place. And here's how he answers him. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And let's stop here for a second, because this is a really strong point and probably struck Nicodemus in a strange way, not just born again part, which he questions, but also the sense that there has to be something else, something that he hadn't already done. He's a Pharisee. He's been upright and almost perfect. And so saying this, unless this is, and he's a little confused. So we've got to talk about this. So John the Baptist and Jesus have been telling the Jewish people to repent of their sins because the kingdom of God was at hand. The Jews believed in the kingdom of God. They referred to a time in the future when God would establish his kingdom on earth. They also believed they'd be able to enter the kingdom simply because they were Jews. And that's why Nicodemus was so shocked and confused when Jesus informed him the only way was going to be able to, a person was going to be able to see the kingdom of God was if they were born again. Nicodemus had always thought that he and his other Pharisees would be shoe-ins when it came. They followed the rules. They did what they were supposed to. He was an educated man, but it appears that he didn't really get what Jesus was talking about at all. So he asked Jesus to clarify. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus had taken Jesus literally. He thought Jesus was talking about a second physical birth. Instead, Jesus is talking about a spiritual birth. Jesus responded to Nicodemus' question in verse 5, and this is how he answers. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Again, Here's this pious man, and he's being told that there's only one way. Maybe it's the same way that we're told. I believe it's possible Nicodemus was reminded in this moment of John the Baptist. He knew at that very time that John the Baptist was baptizing in water as a symbol of the inward repentance. We read about it in 323, John 323. What flashed across Nicodemus's mind was, except you're born of all that water baptism signifies, which is repentance, and which spirit baptism accomplishes, which is regeneration. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. In other words, Nicodemus saw very clearly that no one is born again if there's no repentance. This is for all of us. Please hear this. No one is born again without repentance. And along with repentance comes the work of the Spirit in our heart, a regeneration, a new birth, a new life is given to us. All this is such a struggle for Nicodemus, who's built his life on position, on goodness, on religion. The Pharisees had regarded, disregarded John, and soon they would disregard Jesus and reject him. But Nicodemus is still struggling. And I think for many of us, it's a struggle doing everything right. One of the first things I remember hearing was when my grandfather passed away was, what happens now? And I was told, well, he'll go to heaven because he, was, he, was, he did more good than bad. 
And that's not the truth. Because that's not what Jesus says at all. Nicodemus is still struggling, and he says, how can this be? This time Jesus responded with a little bit of sarcasm. And he says this to him, he says, you are Israel's teacher, and said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Remember who Nicodemus was. Bible scholars believe Nicodemus was not just a Pharisee, but one of the most respected rabbis and, or Jewish scholars of the first century. He was one of the most important and respected leaders of his day. And Jesus' response must have stung a little. Jesus continued in verse 11 by saying this, I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept it, our testimony. The Pharisees had disregarded John the Baptist, called to repent and be baptized, and all that has come before Jesus. And it seems that Jesus was trying to help Nicodemus understand that a person must repent, which is what John's baptism symbolized. And he baptized or born of the Spirit, which is what Jesus' ministry was. In other words, a person must admit that they are a sinner. This is still true for us. It's not the work that we do that gains us favor, but it's admitting that our sin and repent of our sins before they can be born again. The Pharisees weren't willing to do that, which is why they refused to submit to John the, John's baptism and why they eventually turned against Christ and began to look for a way to kill him. And then John, Jesus goes on and says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven who except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the, stat, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then I want you to hear this, because as Jesus talks, and we talk about who is this for, this is a, something that carries forward. It carries forward to each of us. It's not about our works. Again, I want you to hear that. But he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I hope you see the hope in this. I hope you see this open invitation for us all being born again. Being born again cannot mean you need more morality and religion in your life. In fact, the way Jesus is saying what he's saying to Nicodemus, it really challenges that whole thought of morality and religion. Saying you've got all the morality and religion in the world, Nicodemus, and you need to be born again. You've done everything, but there's one thing that hasn't happened. Jesus doesn't say this to Nicodemus, and I want you to, if this was part of the conversation, it, it's not, though. He doesn't say, Nicodemus, you're an awfully, awfully moral guy. You're at least three quarters of the way to heaven. But you can't quite make it. You just need some kind of spiritual supplement, some vitamins that'll put you over the top. Now, most people are, are like only a quarter of the way, but you're more than them because you're better. He doesn't say that. No, he doesn't say it because he says you must be born again. Nothing have you have done counts. See, this is not a call to more, more morals or religious structure. This is a challenge to that. No matter how good you are, no matter how pulled together you are, you must be born again. 
But it also would mean no matter how messed up you are, no matter how broken you are, you can be born again. For, because Jesus also directly says, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Being born again means being transformed by the Holy Spirit. It means leaving behind our old life. It's gone. Our lives of sin, embracing a new life in Christ. He's made us new. He's given us a new life. This new life is characterized by faith, obedience, desire to love and serve others. In the New Testament, there are many passages that promise a new life in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Many of you know this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is the essence of being born again. Leaving behind what is old, the sinful selves, and embracing, embracing a new life in Christ who died and paid the price for our sins. In Galatians 2.20, it says, Paul Paul says this, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Another powerful statement of the transformative power of being born again. When we're born again, we don't stay babies. We're transformed. We're changing. We're growing. We're becoming a new person in Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus, we're no longer slaves to sin. It doesn't control us any longer. We've been set, to, set free to live a new life in him. And then finally, in 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So who's this new birth for? It's neatly tied up at the very end on verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Please hear what this says. Whoever believes, all who believe, it's not just for the good, not just for the bad, the broken, morally upright, perfect in piety. It's for those who turn to God and away from their old life to be born again. It's not enough just to believe Jesus was a prophet or a good teacher. It's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough to be religious. It's not enough to be outwardly righteous. It's not, it was not enough to recognize, just recognize and know that he was powerful. It's not enough to be a good person. Nicodemus had all of these things. According to Jesus, the only way to enter the kingdom of God is to be born again. And the only way to be born again is to repent of your sins and invite Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.